0: Amen, boys and girls. How are you today? It's good to see all of you here. What's special about today? Easter. It's Easter, isn't it? And and a lot of you are dressed up, aren't you? Got special clothes on because we want to wear our very best as we go into God's house to worship Him today. Has anybody noticed something different I'm wearing today? What is it? What what am I wearing? black and stripe robe, that's right, that's right, that's right, this is just a robe I wear every Easter Sunday, every Sunday is important, but I, I think Easter Sunday is extra special, and so I want to really wear my best, and this is just my way of, of praising God and thanking Him for the great gift He gave us in Jesus Christ, all right, I think we're having a problem with the happy club bag, I wonder what could be in the bag today, Andrew Taylor has the bag and he's letting Miss Sabina be his postman to bring it up here to me. All right. Thank you. It's not in here anymore. Well, there was an The bag is empty. What shall I say about that? There was something in the bag and it's been in the bag for 3 days. <laughs> But today it's gone. No, I, I think there was something in the bag that had something to do with missions, but that's gone now. So we're going to talk about just the empty bag. What, what do we celebrate that was empty on Easter Sunday? The tomb. That's right. The tomb was empty. The ladies went to anoint Jesus' body and the tomb was empty. Where was he? In heaven. He had been raised from the dead and he was walking around on the earth and everybody saw him. There are a lot of appearances. Jesus was dead, he was buried, and he was raised again. And just like this bag, that tomb was empty when that lady went to the tomb that first Sunday morning celebrating Jesus' resurrection on Easter. And that's why, boys and girls, we're in God's house today. Because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and because of that, that promise and that assurance... We can be in here and worship Him. So we want to celebrate Easter Sunday. We want to celebrate the empty bag and the empty tomb. And we want to pray right now and just thank God for raising Jesus from the dead. You pray after me. Dear God, thank you for raising Jesus from the dead and giving us an Easter Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, boys and girls. We need to give this to a girl, Miss Sabina, and I think this is Easter Sunday, so everybody's going to sit with your parents today in big church, okay? Kate Berry. Kate Berry. Will you take the bag home and bring back something special next Sunday, please, Kate? Boys and girls, we're not doing children's worship, so go back and sit with your families today for Easter Sunday.
1: you
2: day of the week, just outside of that city of Jerusalem, Mary had gone to the tomb and when she got there she discovered that the stone had been rolled away. Looked inside and the tomb was empty. She came out and she knelt in fear and in tears wondering where they had taken her Lord. And a voice spoke to her and said, Mary. She said, my Lord. Then she was able to run and tell others. Christ the Lord is risen today. Will you stand as we proclaim that together? Our Father, after the horror of the cross, the sadness of the crucifixion, we rejoice that the tomb is empty. We thank you for all the blessings you've given us, for your grace and your mercy. But most of all, Lord, we thank you for dying on that cross so that we could be saved from our sins. You showed us how to live, Lord, and you showed us how to die sacrificially. Lord, you've also taught us to give, and Lord, we return to you just a portion of all that you've given us, knowing that we can never outgive you, but we can give generously to meet the needs, to support the ongoing of your kingdom, even though you don't even need us to do that. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be a part of your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, choir. Couldn't help but notice that as Gary was conducting, he was standing in the shadow of the cross. So should we all be throughout our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. We've been in a series on the signs in John's Gospel, and we come to the seventh and last sign, which just happens to be the raising of Lazarus from the dead, which is Particularly appropriate for today, Easter Sunday. The whole of the 11th chapter of John deals with this, so you might just want to open your Bible to the 11th chapter and keep it there because the verses that we read do not contain all that I want to say to you this morning. The seventh sign of the sermon is entitled, He is Alive. The verses are John chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, and then 17 through 27. He is alive. John 11, 1 says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness is not unto death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by means of it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. It's ironic, isn't it? When he heard he was ill, he stayed where he was. Skip down to verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he finally arrived at Bethany, he found out that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him while Mary sat in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, he who is coming into the world. Just keep your Bibles open to chapter 11 of John's Gospel. Let's pray. Father, as we come this Easter Sunday to to see what Jesus did when he confronted death in Bethany, It reminds us of what you did in the tomb on Easter Sunday. We know you have power over death, and we celebrate that this day. In Jesus' name, amen. If you look on the front of your worship bulletin, you'll see the seventh and final sign in John's gospel is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Jesus loved his disciples, but he also loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They were like family to him. They had a home in Bethany, which it says is about two miles east of Jerusalem. So every time Jesus comes and goes to and from Jerusalem, he stays over at the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It's it's his bed and breakfast coming and going to the capital city. Jesus is in Perea, across the Jordan River, when news comes to him Of Lazarus' illness. And it's a two day journey from Perea to Bethany, so it's strange that we are told in verse 6 that when Jesus learns of Lazarus' illness, he stays where he is an extra two days. Why not rush to Lazarus' side as soon as he receives word of his friend's illness? Why deliberately delay two extra days where he was in Perea? Why did Jesus do that? He gives us the answer down in verses 14 and 15. Jesus told his disciples, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. That's why. If Jesus had been in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus when Lazarus became ill, could he have stood by and watched it happen? Of course not. He could not have stood by while his his friend whom he loved was ill. He would have had to have done something. But with Lazarus now being dead and being dead four days, his disciples could see and believe that Jesus had the power to raise the dead, in particular a man who had been dead for four days and whose body had already begun to decay. Well, for that matter, Jesus could have raised Lazarus without even going to Bethany. After all, he did that for the official son in Capernaum when he was in Cana, 20 miles away, and that was the second sign we looked at in John chapter 4. He healed the slave of the centurion in Capernaum without going to the house in which the sick man was lying. That was in Luke chapter 7. He had already resuscitated two people who were dead, the son of the widow of Nain in Luke 7 and the daughter of Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue in Luke chapter 8. But those two resuscitations happened Just shortly after the two had passed away, by waiting four days after Lazarus' death to resurrect him, Jesus allowed the situation to develop in which everyone concluded that he was too late to do anything. After four days, all hope was gone. So when Jesus did raise Lazarus from the dead, it would be so great a miracle second only to his own resurrection, that many people would come to believe in him. So when Mary and Martha called Jesus and begged him to come to Bethany, immediately to help Lazarus, Jesus refused to yield to a call to do a lesser good in order that he might do a greater good. Did you hear me? Sometimes Jesus refuses to yield to a call to do a lesser good in order that he might do a greater good. And, and incidentally, for, I think that's one reason why God seems to deny our prayers, even though we beg him for something which is obviously good. God's purpose is always to grant us a greater good that we cannot always see. So in this seventh sign, we see Jesus' victory over his enemy, death. And I want us to look briefly at five responses to the death and resurrection of Lazarus found in your worship bulletin and outline. Mary and Martha is the first one, verses 20 through 27 and 28 through 32. We already know from Luke chapter 10 how different Mary and Martha are in their personalities. You remember in Luke ten, Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet listening to his teacher, and Martha was bustling around in the kitchen preparing a meal, and Martha gets aggravated at Mary and fusses at her and tells Jesus to make her get up and help. Mary was quiet and sensitive and, and open, and Martha was more active and, and practical and and busy. Obviously, Martha was the firstborn, <laughs> accustomed to taking charge. Mary was more thoughtful more quiet. And the difference is borne out here in John 11. When Jesus finally does arrive in Bethany, Martha comes charging out to meet him. Mary remains behind. They both say identically the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha says in verse 21. Mary says it in verse 32. The exact same thing. And Jesus responds with something profound. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And yet, Mary and Martha could not conceive that Jesus could do anything more for their brother. They assumed all hope was lost. Think about it. They'd watched their beloved brother die. Just the three of them had lived together, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Apparently, none of them had ever married. They stayed together. They were family. Lazarus suffered. He died. Jesus didn't come. So the two sisters prepared Lazarus' body for burial, bound him up and anointed him with spices and oils, Death had won. There was great anguish. What about Lazarus? <laughs> what was his response to his own death? It can be covered pretty quickly because Lazarus apparently had no reaction to this earth shattering event, at least none recorded for us in John chapter 11. I wish Lazarus had said something. I wish he came out of the tomb and jumped into Jesus' arms and leapt for joy, shouting at the victory over death that Jesus had won for him. Maybe, maybe Lazarus was, was still limited by those burial wrappings that were binding him. And when you think about it, there was actually two additional miracles that happened that Sunday. Because Lazarus was walking and he was seeing, even though he was still wrapped up like a mummy for burial. Jesus had to instruct those standing nearby him in verse 44 to unbind him and let him go. Now later in chapter 12, we read where Jesus comes again to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and Bethany. And it was at this time that Mary anointed Jesus' feet with oil and, and wiped them with her hair. And it says Lazarus was eating with them at the table, probably still talking about his death experience. Think about that. What it was like to be dead four days in a tomb and then be brought back to life. People were still talking about it. And it says a crowd gathered because they heard that Jesus has come again to the, this house. And he and Lazarus were together. So who knows, maybe Jesus was going to perform another miracle in that household like the one he had done before. Crowds were gathering and it says the chief priests despised Jesus, but now they came to hate Lazarus too. Because he was having such an impact on the crowds who were believing in Jesus because of him. Verse 11 of chapter, <coughs> <excuse> me, <coughs> chapter 12. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away <coughs> and believing in Jesus. <coughs> excuse me, I guess when, when Lazarus came out of the tomb, he didn't have to say anything. Because his presence was enough standing there in front of them. Well, what about the crowds? The raising of Lazarus divided the crowd of onlookers like a wedge driven into a wooden block. Two diametrically opposed reactions to Lazarus being raised from the dead. Part of the crowd recognized that Jesus was the resurrection and the life, and they put their faith in him. It says in verse 45 of chapter 11, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Verse 46, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. These two different reactions persist even to today. Whether he's raising Lazarus or being raised himself from the dead, whether 2,000 years ago or today on Easter Sunday, there are always two possible responses. Either you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, or you are rejecting. Whatever your decision, Jesus cannot be ignored. Either you are for Him or you are against Him. Ha. Thank you. Mary and Martha. Lazarus, the crowds. What about the religious leaders? Verses 48 and 50. The Jewish leaders learned about the death and resurrection of Lazarus for the testimony of the crowd. What did they do? They were so upset they called an emergency session of the Sanhedrin, which was their religious high court. They were afraid there would be such a groundswell following Jesus that a rebellion might occur. And you've got to understand the the tense relationship that existed between the Jews and the Romans. If If a riot occurred among the Jews, the Romans would be forced to intervene. You see, the Romans had given the Jews autonomy to govern their own people and practice their own religion... But in return the Romans demanded that the Jewish authorities keep control of the people and maintain some semblance of peace. Well from time to time there would be an uprising in the temple and, and incidentally the Romans built a fort adjacent to the temple in Jerusalem because they were always being called into the temple to to quell some kind of riot or, or some kind of rebellion that seem to be frequently occurring within the temple precincts. That would be like the Tifton Police Department having to build a substation adjacent to our sanctuary because we get so worked up here in worship that we go out into the streets and cause a riot. Well, the Jewish leaders' anxiety over a possible rebellion led to a pragmatic decision. Caiaphas, who was the high priest, he was like the Supreme Court Justice. Concluded in verse 50, this is what he said It is expedient for you that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation should not perish. <laughs> it's ironic, but what Caiaphas said is exactly true. But not for the reason Caiaphas thought. Jesus didn't die to save the Jews from the Romans. He died to save everyone from their sins. And so they plotted to kill Jesus. Which is the fifth reaction I want you to look at. When Jesus first learned of Lazarus' illness, he responded by declaring that this illness would not be unto death, but that it would be for the glory of God, he says in verse 4. And so he did nothing. He waited two extra days to make sure Lazarus would be dead for four, because it says that uh, Perea is a two-day journey to Bethany. He waited two days, you put those together, you get four days. The Jews believed that a person could be revived within three days after death. Their medical practice was primitive. Perhaps they had folks who occasionally went into a coma and, and came around after three days, but four days... No one had ever been raised from the dead. By raising Lazarus from the dead on the fourth day, Jesus was making sure that his father would be glorified. Upon his arrival in Bethany, we encounter the shortest verse in the Bible, and also one of the most poignant. Verse 35. If you ever need to memorize scripture, this is a good one to start. John eleven thirty-five. 35. What does it say? Jesus wept. Jesus wept, why? I think one simple reason. He wept because Mary and Martha were weeping. And when Jesus sees people he loves hurt, he hurts too. I say that to you because I don't want you to ever think that Jesus does not care. When you hurt, Jesus hurts. When you weep, Jesus weeps. He cares. And his his sympathy, his compassion, I think is communicated in this shortest verse in the Bible. After weeping with Mary and Martha, Jesus rolls up his sleeves and he begins to go to work. It says in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. The Greek word for moved in spirit, the Greek word is embrameomai. Embrameomai literally means to snort like an animal. You know know how a bull snorts when he's getting ready to charge and he's kicking the dirt and he's snorting and he's looking at the at the the flag or the the cloth being waved by the matador. That's what I picture Jesus doing. Let me tell you why. Jesus snorts and he rolls up his sleeves like a boxer getting ready to go into a ring and do battle because Jesus is preparing to launch an all-out assault on his only enemy, death. He is preparing himself to do battle against an adversary. And like a general barking out a command, Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And I know I've said this before, but what if Jesus had not specified one and only one person to come out of those tombs? What if he had just said, come forth? Every person in that cemetery would have gotten up and come staggering out. No matter how long they had been buried. Amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus specifies one, so there's no confusion. (laughs) Lazarus, come forth. And while the raising of Lazarus is the seventh and greatest of the seven signs, it pales in comparison to to Jesus' victory over death at the cross. This sign points forward to Jesus' death and resurrection. And it signals the day when Jesus will bring all of his people from the grave Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. We believe. So you have five reactions to the death and resurrection of Lazarus. You have Mary and Martha. You have Lazarus, you have the crowds, those fickle crowds. You have the religious leaders, and you have Jesus himself. But remember, there's one final witness to the raising of Lazarus from the dead. You know who it is? You. You. Remember, John didn't write this gospel for his own enjoyment or his own edification. He says over and over again, he wrote his gospel for one specific purpose purpose that you might believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and believing you might have life in his name so you are a spectator at the death and resurrection of lazarus and how you respond is of eternal importance what is your view of jesus do you believe he is the son of god do you believe he has won victory over the grave your view has eternal significance Like the other six signs, this seventh sign was written to open your eyes to the fact that you are dead in your sin. And Jesus can forgive you and raise you to new life, just as he did to Lazarus and just as God did for him on Easter Sunday. Can you believe it? If so, you'll have life in his name. When I was a little boy I would often fall asleep in the den watching television on the sofa in my clothes. The next morning I found myself in my bed in my pajamas. Now how did that happen? How did I get into bed with the change of clothes while I was sleeping? Obviously the strong and loving arms of a mom and dad had carried me and changed me. When a Christian dies, he falls asleep in a room in this world, clothed in the garments of this life. But he awakens in the Father's mansion, clothed in the garments of eternity. How does he get there? Obviously, carried in the arms of Of a loving father. And the good news is that Jesus will take you there one day if you will only believe. These things have been written so that you might, if only you will. It's up to you. Shall we pray? Father, just as we gather to celebrate the greatest miracle in all of history, an event that changed history in half from B.C. to A.D., from worshiping on Saturday to worshiping on Sunday, transforming a motley group of disciples from fearfully trembling in an upper room somewhere, to going forth and proclaiming the greatest truth the world has ever heard, most of of them being martyred for their belief and their faith and their testimony. Such dramatic transformation could only have happened by a radical event like raising Jesus from the dead and Father we celebrate that this day if there's anyone here within the sound of my voice in this sanctuary or watching my television that does not know Jesus Father we pray that you will send your Holy Spirit to intersect their hearts bring conviction of sin repentance confession of faith and salvation. God, we acknowledge that that you are a great God and we love you and you only desire to have a relationship with us. And you've made that possible by what you did on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And as you resurrected Lazarus from the dead and Jesus from the dead. One day you'll raise us from the dead and we'll live with you forever in heaven. A new room and new clothes being carried in the arms of our blessed Savior. For us in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to conclude our worship service this Easter Sunday with an invitational hymn. Jesus is Lord of all, number 296. Jesus is Lord of all. He was raised from the dead. If you want to invite him into your heart, do so this Easter Sunday. Not a better time, not a better place to do it than right here, right now.